The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Got the egg right here. So... I'm going to try and see if it'll crack. I'm going to put it in between my arm and my flesh and see if it'll crack. I don't believe it's going to crack. I don't think this could be done, but I'm going I'm to give it a try anyway. So. Okay, James Harrison. Can he pop an egg between his forearm and his bicep? Oh. Of course he can. Oh, gosh. What? I mean, it's not like ripping a phone book in half, James. It's just an egg. It's a fragile. Hey, eggs are are delicate. I could. You think you could do it, Chris? You think you could put? I oh, think you, I, go I, get well, an egg from your chickens right now, and I want to see you <laughs> pop it between your forearm and your. I probably can't because the two for me they don't meet. For James Harrison, they it, easily do. I don't think they're well. They don't meet for a lot of people. I just got to jam it in there to the crease of my elbow a little bit, but. When you put it in that way, like that, of course it's going to break sideways. Now you've done the trick, right? Where you hold the egg vertically, right? And then try to squeeze it with your hand and do that. You can't break it, but with all those muscles and then putting it sideways, I I don't know. I don't think it's that impressive. Now his biceps are impressive and I'm not going to say that to his face, but I don't think it's that impressive. (laughs) I've never tried the break an egg from top to bottom. I feel like you're setting me up. No, I promise you, it's a difficult I've done it. thing to do. It's it's almost it's impossible. I've never seen anybody do it to break it from top to bottom. The way the egg is, you know, built, it makes it very hard. With uh, you know, I don't know the structural the structural design in it, you can't do it. I've never been able to do it. I, you try it later on today. With Easter coming, it reminds me, Chris, of my all time greatest prank. When I was, I don't know, 17, 18, 19 years old, and they colored eggs still for Easter, I got an egg that wasn't hard-boiled, and I colored it, and I put it in with the others. And uh, my dad found out the hard way that it was not a hard-boiled egg when he was (laughs) trying to eat it, and I, of course, ran like hell. Uh, But it was worth it. It was worth it. Um, All right, it's Pro Football Talk Live. 
and we're, we're still adjusting to not being on radio. Good news for TV. We have longer segments. We have shorter breaks. We have more content. It's freer flowing. It's 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 fun, I guess. I'm having fun. Chris, are you having fun? I am. I, I enjoy our little extra time to unpack some of these subjects. You know, one thing I like doing with you, not that we have answers to everything, but we do live it. We think about it a lot and we're able to flush out a lot of good points uh, with our talking. So that's what I do enjoy about it. Just to peel back the curtain, the way that it used to be in a given show, two hours on NBCSN simulcasting the radio show, there would be 12 different times that we had to hit a time on our way to something or off to a break. Today, once so far, (laughs) once, and then another one when the show's over, obviously, because you can't keep talking when the show's over. Uh, And if you keep talking about things unrelated to football, the show will be over sooner than anyone expects. Let's get to it. The big news of the day coming from a conference call, Chris, that happened yesterday among all owners. This is the week that the league meetings would have happened in Florida. Obviously, they've been canceled due to the current coronavirus pandemic. So conference call resulted in the item that we all expected, the Playoffs being expanded from 12 to 14 teams. We talked about that at length last hour. And also a conference call with reporters afterward, during which NFL general counsel Jeff Pash was very calm, very resolute in his belief that the NFL will go forward for 2020 with a full season, full stadiums, starting on time. I was taken aback by the nonchalance of the proclamation that this is what we intend to do. And I I hope and I pray that behind that curtain, there's a lot of scurrying going on. There's a lot of activity going on. There's a lot of But are you really surprised? Are you really surprised? I mean, really, like knowing them, seeing that there was no response to COVID-19 at first, anything like that, are you really surprised that the NFL is going to continue to say, we're staying status quo. We're just going to keep our heads down and keep going. Like, I know you're. I know what you mean, but I don't I think, think you're there's really a way surprised. to do it. There's right. a way to do it that acknowledges the urgency of the situation and the unpredictability of the situation, and and it's almost like, like my reaction was, do you know something we don't? Right, like. Like, is there some information that you're privy to because you're the NFL that the rest of us haven't gotten access to yet that's going to make us all less concerned? Should we be less concerned? That was kind of my takeaway from it. Like, you know, a lot of people are really scared right now, and you're painting a picture that by September there's no reason to be scared. What do you know that we don't know? And I think that was my reaction to it. So they're either being completely unrealistic or they're holding back from us some stuff that we'd really like to know right now about how this is going to continue to unfold. So we'll find out. Time will tell. The NFLPA's medical director recently was on Shefty's podcast suggesting that by late May, early June, we'll have a much better picture. But the NFLPA's medical director also was optimistic that they'll be able to get it done. There's a lot of issues. There's a lot of questions. And I just hope that regardless of the facade, if it is a facade, I'm hoping that what's going on behind that facade, Chris, is a lot of hard work and brainstorming and creativity and planning for the worst-case scenarios so they can get a season in under some circumstances that are fair to everyone. And if they can't, they can't. 
But uh, I, I just hope that there is a lot of planning going into all possible potential outcomes. Now, one of the realities that the NFL can't escape is that offseason programs will not begin as scheduled next week. April 6th is the day when any team with a new coach could have started. April 20th is when the rest of the teams would have started. They're not going to start. They're discussing, Chris, virtual offseason programs where, like everyone else who's working at home, you're using teleconferencing software, FaceTime, Zoom, just good old-fashioned phone calls to have the sessions that you otherwise would have in your team facility. The thing I'm concerned about, Chris, well, let's start with that. How effective do you think it's going to be? What's a, is it a replacement to having all the guys in a room hearing from the coach, seeing the coach's demeanor, body language, getting the messaging, watching the film that way? How hard will it be to replicate that if everyone is sitting at home looking into their laptop? Yeah, I, you're not going to be able to replicate that. You know, the, just being in a room with a coach who can make eye contact with you, make sure you're paying attention, you know, you know, again, you're going to be uh, more conversations in, in a meeting room to where players are going to ask questions. Hey, what do I do when the defender does this? Or what do I do when, you know, the offense, you know, lines up in this formation? You know, there's going to be little nuances lost here, let alone not necessarily concerned about the classroom work, but it's the the walkthroughs and things like that. The little field work you can do where you really make your best most headway in the offseason. You know, whether that's throwing routes to the wide receivers or having a walkthrough on, hey, we're going to try to implement this part of our offense today. Let's go out on the field and get a little jog and get a feel for these new plays and new formations we might install this year. You know, all of that's going to be lost. Hey, the, the virtual reality stuff, it'll help. It's something, certainly. But to say that it's a, the same as a normal offseason routine, no way. And, uh, you know, it's going to be frustrating. It, there's there's there are so many issues right now with this whole thing and you know i want to comment more about it but but, but right now yes it's not We're, well what what let, let's well, let's break it down from yes. the physical standpoint yeah. it's one thing right. to sit there and learn at home and participate in meetings where it's no replacement for being in the room and hearing from the coach directly but staying in shape right under the direction of who are you going to be out there with your phone is the and how is the strength coach? What you're gonna have to have conversations with with 90 different guys over the course of a day as they get their workouts in? I mean, it just seems like it's going to be very difficult to pull it off to have a workout routine for everyone to have anything that would remotely simulate practice. And then what happens if somebody gets injured? Where do you go? Sure. Now, I I think you're allowed to go to the facility to get you know your 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 attention and training and etc. But um. If you need surgery, who's going to who's going to perform surgery? James Andrews, the the noted orthopedic surgeon is not doing Tommy John surgery indefinitely because of the COVID-19 pandemic. If you have some sort of an injury from the off-season work at home that requires a, a a surgical procedure, do you have to wait for 3 or 4 months? So, there's a lot of issues that can arise. Well, Number 1, trying to keep guys in shape and what happens if they overdo it and they end up getting injured? Right. And, and how do you work out, really? I mean, who's going to have access? Not everybody's going to have a weight room in their house. You know, maybe the top two, three guys on the roster who are making, you know, 10, 12 million dollars a year. Yeah, maybe they have a workout room in their house. But the bottom roster guys who are making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, they're not going to have. A, so so how are you going to orchestrate? You're going to tell guys to go in the backyard and you're just going to have to make up like grassroots type workouts, push up, sit up, sprints 
body squats. I mean, you know, that's where these weight coaches are going to have to be get really creative, you know, and then also added it in this fact, Mike, you know, if I'm a quarterback and I'm playing, man, I'm starting to stress out. This is the time of the year where you start. I'd like to start throwing some footballs. I'd like to start throwing to some receivers a little bit, you know, start getting going, get my arm in shape, just work on some of the mechanical issues that I might have as a quarterback. That would really start to stress me out too. So these are all things that are really going to be tough. You know, during the lockout year of 2011, guys could still get together and go have a workout together. And, hey, let's go lift weights, and then we'll go over to the field, and we'll throw balls and do a workout on the field for an hour. You can't do any of that this year. How are you going to do that? You're not going to be able to organize a group of players and go somewhere and, well, and you know, out. not be – Yeah, out. go ahead. Yeah. What if they decide they're going to do it anyway? We've seen the I, video of the basketball yes. courts and the soccer fields. What if Tom Brady decides – the hell with coronavirus. I got a season to get ready for. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, Cameron Brait. We're getting together, and we're going to work on our playbook together, and we're going to do it away. We're going to go to my ranch in Montana, and no one's going to know uh, what's to stop guys from doing that. Uh, you're right, Mike, and, and, and I'm not going to lie. If I, was one of the, if I was Tom Brady or one of those guys, I'd probably do it. Because I would be, I'd, I'd probably, you know, in my stubborn young playing days, I'd be, hey, you know, I'm young, I'm healthy, screw this, you know, hey, are you sick? Are you sick? No, great, let's go to my ranch somewhere, or let's go somewhere to where, yeah, we can get together and throw balls and work out a little bit. I, I selfishly, yes, would have a hard time with that. You know, these players, especially the quarterbacks, are type A, OCD, psycho personalities that you know, it's hard to feel I, – I, I wouldn't feel comfortable in life if I went a week or two this part of the year without starting to be able to throw football. So I would think that is going to be something that a guy like Tom Brady or Drew Brees start to kick around in their head a little bit. So, you know, and let's play this out. As good corporate citizens, does the NFL tell the players they're not allowed to do that? And will there be discipline if they do it? I mean, there's discipline if anybody dares to speak out against the plan to go forward with the draft. That's far less important from a public health standpoint than discipline being imposed on players who defy orders to not congregate. I mean, look, there's a hell of a rabbit hole that is shaping up here, and it's all unfolding in real time. And and as you know, we're worried about more important things in life. You've got these other things that are going to potentially happen that we're really not maybe paying attention to. The stage is set, Chris, for uh, one or two groups of teammates beginning that process. The next thing you know, word's going to get around and more are going to do it. It's going to be a fascinating dynamic to watch over the next couple of months because I'm with you. These guys are young. They feel invincible. They, they right. may think, oh, I probably already had it anyway. I had a cold a few weeks ago. That probably was corona. I'm fine. i, I right. got to be ready for football season. I can't worry about getting sick. It's not going to affect me. Look, I'm an Adonis. I'm not going to get sick. You know, that attitude, that mindset that permeates right. everything they do. I, I, this is something the NFL better be ready for because if we start seeing, you know, a drone that pops up over a practice field somewhere and it's all these recognizable names and faces down below defying local orders to stay indoors, that's not a good look for anybody. No, it's not. And I think, you know, to your point, Mike, I think that's the NFL probably needs to send an email to all players and reach out to make sure that doesn't happen. You know, it, it is it is the duty of an NFL player to show the leadership for society a little bit that way and 
This is the way of the world right now. And, you know, you listen to our president, listen to any of the experts. They want people away from each other. We're in a shutdown. That is, that is the way it's got to be. If people got video and saw Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers out working, you know, with other teammates on a field, you know, it's going to just embolden other, other stubborn, dumb, young 22-year-olds to go, oh, screw it. Brady's out throwing with his receivers. You know, I'm going to go over to the field and, and play flag football with my friends today because I'm bored. Or we're going to go play a pickup basketball game. I don't care. I'm young and healthy. So I do think the NFL has a responsibility there to show some leadership and get the word out to their players to say, hey, let's let's not do this right now. That's not the right time. It's not a good look. It's not good for our league. It's not good for society. You know, sometimes when you have uh, an, an open forum like this where we can kick around these ideas and you don't have to worry about a radio clock, some good ideas percolate. Not that this is a yeah. good idea, but we've tripped over something that I think needs to be on people's radar screens as April arrives. And this is normally the time that guys would start getting together again. You're going to have teammates that want to get together and it's going to happen and the NFL needs to get out ahead of it. And see, this attitude that is that is permeating everything the NFL says and does right now, that it's business as usual, but for we're not going to open the facilities, I, I think that I think that the NFL's position may very well be we can't control what these guys do on their own. We hope that everyone complies with all local directives and state directives and national directives, but we can't make them do it. They're on their own time and they're allowed to do whatever they want. It's going to be an interesting issue for the NFL to deal with. Something that I'm going to I'm going to poke around a little bit. I'm going yeah. to see if the league has a position on this cuz well, you know, I I People need to be thinking ahead of where we are right now. And I don't think there's enough of that going on with the NFL. I think there's so much focus on the draft is coming, the draft is coming, the draft is coming. They're not thinking about other issues that may be popping up over the next few months. But Mike, I agreed. I think that's what bothers me more than anything. You're right. It's fine to, tr- you know, just, you know, keep trudging ahead with draft and free agency. There's nothing that we need to do there to congregate in large groups to make that happen. So you can do business as usual. But here, here's another question for you. The poor rookies, when they get drafted, what the hell are they going to do? You know, again, yeah, their coach will be able to FaceTime them. They'll be able to talk. But they're not going to be able to go meet up with their new quarterback and go work, work that way. Again, like we saw, you know, with the collective bargaining agreement, you know, no offseason in 2011. So they're, they're going to be really behind the eight ball rookies this year. And I think the other thing that bothers me, Mike, is, you know, like you said, it doesn't. It just. It feels like the NFL right now is just going. I think it's going to be all okay by the time August and September comes around. What bothers me is we don't hear any rumors or anything like we do with the other sports who are kicking around ideas to how to make their season work. Right now, the NFL is just being the old stubborn NFL and saying, "Nope, it'll all work out. We'll be in training camp and we're going to play in front of eighty thousand people and the season will go on." Yeah, I just don't know about that right now. And I don't feel like we're hearing any leadership of ideas or brainstorming that way. And I think that's a little concerning to me as well. And that's one of the things we're trying to do with this platform. We're trying to identify the issues in the hopes that people do start thinking ahead of where we are right now. And I've yet to hear anything like it. I haven't gotten that phone call. Hey, you know, no. we're just acting this way. Uh, we really do have it covered. I've, I've, All I've heard is that the people are focused on the draft, the draft, the draft, and we'll worry about everything else after that. So That's all uh, coaches have heard that, too, Mike. That's, that's 22 all the coaches days have from heard. now. 
Right. That's 22 right. fewer days to plan for what's coming and for what may happen when July, August, September roll around. We're going to take a break. When we return, plenty of other news happening in the NFL, including a former teammate of Jameis Winston thinking that he should have only thrown 15 interceptions last year. More PFT Live right after this. All right, let's rip through some of the other news happening in the National Football League. Phillip Rivers, new quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. Can't get used to saying that. At least the helmet will still be white. Frank Reich, the coach of the Colts, says that Rivers knows 80 to 85% of the playbook. This goes back to the connection to Nick Sirianni, who was the offensive coordinator with the Chargers. He's now the offensive coordinator with the uh, Colts. He may have been quarterback's coach or something like that. Maybe not offensive coordinator, but still the connection is there. So the offensive knowledge is there. That's going to make the transition easier, Chris, especially without an offseason program. Definitely. I mean, I think that's the the appeal that Phillip Rivers, you know, had to the Indianapolis Colts is there was going to be no learning curve. We could go in and just hit the ground running. And I mean, watch out for the Colts, Mike. I mean, the Colts are one of those teams we just got to put there right now, especially with Phillip Rivers at quarterback. It, and say they're uh, to me they're one of those teams on the out you know just on that outside where we should say watch out for them to be a Super Bowl contender they're going for it right now they're telling you they're going for it they think they could go and be a Super Bowl contender this year Philip Rivers the DeForest Buckner trade okay you know it, it, their offensive line their defensive front is really good the linebackers Justin Houston they got a lot of good guys. Uh, on their front four and they can send waves at you they got to get their secondary right and they're making strides to do that got Xavier Rhodes added somebody else too but you know I get it and I think the Colts are a team I would say you know one of those teams where every year we see a team that doesn't make the playoffs that surges up the next year and we go whoa where did they come from the Colts will be one of those teams I think we should have on our radar Frank Reich also added that Jacoby Brissett wasn't happy about being pushed aside for Phillip Rivers, but Brissett is, quote, a good teammate. And, quote, Taysom Hill has been a very good teammate and a very effective weapon for the New Orleans Saints. Sean Payton, appearing on ESPN on Tuesday, said, first and foremost, we still view Taysom Hill as a quarterback. We spent a lot of time this offseason discussing our vision for him this season at quarterback. I think Taysom sees himself as being a starting quarterback in this league. And we do too, Chris. Lest there was any doubt, the Saints view Taysom Hill as their guy. And by all appearances, he will be the successor to Drew Brees. Yeah, well, I mean, we do, this is no surprise to you and I. We've been hearing the rumors about Taysom Hill and the love, love affair that the Saints have with him and Sean Payton especially. Hey, there's big-time talent. He has superstar-type potential. He really does. So, you know, I think that's what he sees about him. He realizes he can orchestrate a different offense that he's never had before. And also in that interview, Mike, you know, I, the Freudian slip of Sean oh, Payton yes. saying this will be Drew Brees' oh, last yes. year. He signed up for one more year or last year, however he said it. I mean, that just tells you, too. So, yes, I think Sean Payton's very excited about, you know, what, what Taysom Hill could be as a quarterback. The unique situation with our team and with our quarterback, Drew Brees, is he's announced he's coming back for his final season. That is what Sean Payton said, and we were both on the same page on intentional that Intentional Freudian slip? Intentional Freudian, Freudian slip or unintentional? Freudian. This is Freudian. the first time you, you used to butcher a word, then you figured out, 
and now you've fallen off the horse again and you're back to yes, throwing an extra syllable Freudian. into Freudian. Freudian. Not Freudian, <laughs> just Freudian. I'm going to start saying Freudian for crying out loud. Well, the I'm a Arizona Cardinals so sorry. <laughs> have begun contract discussions with new receiver DeAndre Hopkins. He has three years left on his current deal. Base salaries, $12.5 million, $13.5 and $13.9. What do you think that he's going to end up getting per year? Well, you know, no crap they're in a contract negotiations for him. I mean, they better be. I mean, again, we're seeing two examples right now, Laramie Tunzel, Jalen Ramsey. I'd be worried if you make this type of trade, right? And then you don't, you know, have the guy locked up and happy. He has all the leverage. So, yes, get that deal done if you're the Arizona Cardinals. And I would think that it's right up there challenging Julio Jones or anything like that. I think that DeAndre Hopkins is going to command somewhere between 20 and $23 million a year because that he's the next guy up. He's in the conversation for one of the best receivers in football. And that's the trend we always see. I agree with you. And it is going to be a significant number. It's one of the reasons why the Texans traded him. And if they failed in any respect, they should have gotten that idea out there ahead of time. So people weren't so shocked when they heard that DeAndre Hopkins was going to become a member of the Arizona Cardinals and that the Texans were getting hardly anything in return for him. One more real quick. Chris Godwin, Buccaneers receiver on Jameis Winston. By the way, Godwin officially giving up number 12 for number 14, so Tom Brady can wear 12. What a shock. Tom Brady's wearing number 12. Number 15, the magic number, though, in Godwin's mind as it relates to Jameis Winston. He recently said that Winston should have had half of his total interceptions. Half of them were other people's faults. Half of them were Winston's fault. That's 15 interceptions for Winston instead of 30. But, you know, Chris, every quarterback, whatever their number is, whether it's 8, whether it's 30, whether it's 2, whether it's 5, whether it's 40, there's a certain percentage that weren't their fault. So I get it. They're not all his fault, but they're never all the quarterback's fault. But they still all go on the quarterback's records. That, that's right. I think Chris Godwin's kind of being nice, too, and, and good for him. Chris Godwin, is, he, he is showing not only is he a hell of a football player, but he's a great teammate and really understands the big picture. First off, very unselfish uh, to give away the number 12. Good for him for doing that. He's been wearing 12 since he's a little kid, so it has importance to him, but he understands it's Tom Brady. And then yeah, I think he's trying to be a good ex-teammate to Jameis Winston there. But, yeah, I think 15 is being kind of kind. I would say, you know, okay, maybe there's eight to 10 that you could say maybe isn't Jameis Winston's fault but I'd also say there's probably eight to 10 that were also should have been intercepted and were dropped passes and things like that too so it's hard to defend Jameis Winston and the turnover problems he has and here we are well into free agency and there has been nothing about Jameis Winston no sniffs Steelers no no call him Steelers I don't think it's going to happen. All right, we got to take a break. It's April Fool's Day, by the way. We're going to draft the stories when we return that we just couldn't believe the first time we heard them. NFL stories. There are plenty of other stories that would fall in that category. Let's just go with NFL stories. We'll do that next right here on PFT Live. It's April Fool's Day. Beware the smart Alex out there that may try to trick you in some way. Our Darren Gant with the tweet last night, PSA for all amateur comedians, getting ready for a big tomorrow, much like the special occasion drinkers on New Year's and St. Patrick's Day. Your attempt is neither sufficient nor necessary. No, seriously, it's really not funny. Don't hit send. Please do not do the April Fool's gags. We beg you, do not do the April Fool's gags. And in honor of April Fool's Day, real NFL stories 
that we thought were fake when we first heard of them. Uh, Chris, I- I'm going to go ahead and give you the first pick. I don't think there's a trivia question, so I think you get the oh. first pick. I'm, be- I'm in a good a mood today for a change. Okay, okay, that's good. Uh, all right, there- I mean, there's some good ones, actually. And, and uh, I think the first one I'm going to go with that I think totally shocked me I'm going to go with Barry Sanders retiring after nine years in the NFL. That's one to me where I'll still look at it and go, man, Barry Sanders is still arguably the best running back in the game. Certainly in the conversation, you're going, oh man, he's on the arc. He's going to be the all-time leading rusher in the NFL. What? He's retiring? He's still like in his A minus game. I mean, he was still electric and untackable. Uh, That's not even a word, but you couldn't tackle him in space. Okay. Yeah, it was close enough. He still had tremendous long speed and quicks. And, you know, I just really didn't see a drop off in his game at all. To me, that was one of the shockers of all time uh, with Barry Sanders retiring. I agree with you, but let me just say this. And I wasn't in the business at the time, so I wasn't privy to the whispers and the rumors that something was going on. But there was talk that something was going on. And Barry Sanders wired a little differently than other football players. It really wasn't one of those things where when, you know, it happened, it was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. It's like, yeah, you know what? It kind of makes sense. The, the, where the Lions are, where they've been, where the Vikings were at the time in the process of taking over the division with Randy Moss entering his second year, it made sense when you sat down and thought about it. And it happened not long before training camp, so we had time to process it before week one. The one that I think is the clear number one pick is the Andrew Luck retirement because none of those factors was there. There was no reason to think Andrew Luck was retiring. There were no whispers he was thinking about retiring. It caught everyone off guard, and it happened two weeks before the season started. And it was that classic burned into your memory. I know exactly where I was. My wife and I were in New York for our anniversary. We were at a show. I turned my phone on, and the first thing I see, it's like somebody hacked our Twitter account. There's no way Andrew Luck's retired. That one I'll never forget. And I still don't understand it to this day, how he could walk away from football when, uh, when uh, you know, he still had so much to give and so much to play. Intensely personal decision, but still shocking when it happened. Shocking. I mean, so shocking that I was sitting there watching TV with my father and had a friend in the house, and we're sitting there. I can't remember what we were watching at the time, but he goes, hey, did you guys just see that breaking news on the bottom? He goes, Andrew Luck's retiring. And we all looked at him like, oh, shut up, dude. You don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, no, you need to rewind it. And, you know, we had to rewind the DVR. So that was a shocker. There's no doubt about it. And I did not have, a, have that on my list. Uh, so good job by you. All right. Here's really the all-time shocker. I mean, this is the all-time shocker. What? There's a police chase involving O.J. Simpson? Okay, That's I don't mean to go. A challenge flag. What are you doing? Nah. He was retired for 15 years. Uh, oh, I don't my care. Gosh. Hall of Famer. Right. He was jumping cars and, you know, uh, car commercials and everything. Yes, that was a shocker yeah. of all time. I could still remember. I was at a pool party in eighth grade, and like one of the parents coming out going, OJ Simpson's in like a high sp- a high speed car chase with the police and you're like what? What? And just going inside watching that, that was one of the most unbelievable events of my lifetime. I will never forget that and everything that, you know, came after it, but a shocker because OJ Simpson had a squeaky clean image to that point. You know, I really looked but- up to him, thought he was awesome. So that to me will always go down all time. 
and, and maybe you were busy at the time doing things that 13-year-olds do or doing things that 13-year-old Chris Sims did, but that story had already developed to the point where it was the next logical step. The walls were closing in on him. That wasn't Stop being the- such a lawyer. You didn't think he was going to get in a police chase and go down the highway for four hours. You didn't think that. That was a surprise. Yes, I know there was inkling that we thought, ooh, maybe he was guilty, but we didn't think that was going to (laughs) happen. But I didn't refuse to believe it. It wasn't a surprise in that context because of everything else that was happening. All right, next one for me, Brett Favre unretiring in 2008. I remember he was on David Letterman's show in April, and he made a comment like, you know, who knows how I'm going to feel when July rolls around. And that was the first time I thought – Really, could there be a chance? But even when it happened, and it was another one where I remember exactly where I was. We had a family trip to Washington, D.C. We were at the zoo, for crying out loud. And on my phone came the word that Brett Favre had unretired and he intends to rejoin the Green Bay Packers. And it ended up being a huge, giant mess for a couple of days or longer while the Packers figured out what to do with him. But that one did come out of the blue. You know, we'd always known he was going to retire. We never thought he was going to unretire. And he unretired so many times. We're kind of used to it. That first one, though, was a stunner. It was. It was a stunner. But, you know, to be a jerk like you so I can challenge you a little bit, all right? I mean, he had, like, threatened a retirement for many years before that, He never too. threatened to unretire. I know. I know he didn't. I know. But I had to be a lawyer for a second either way because you're going to yeah. sit here and try to crap on every one of my picks. All right. Stick to football. Stick to football. <laughs> All right. So you, you, you hit one story from last summer with Andrew Luck. I'm going to last summer, too. You know, I, I forgot about this. I got a little help from Pete Dimalitalitis, one of our producers back there, okay? But. This was a shocker, and one of those, when you saw the news, you were like, no way can that be true. Antonio Brown's foot issue. That, to me, was like an all-time, when I heard that story, I was like, first off, what is going on with his feet? And then when I had people tell me in the know that, hey, he actually froze the bottom of his feet off going in a cryotherapy machine, I, I, I didn't want to believe it, even though I knew the people that were telling me knew exactly uh, that that had happened. That is just absolutely unbelievable to me. That's one of the uh, most amazing stories here in, in recent history of the NFL. One of our best players, Antonio Brown, froze the bottom of his feet off because he didn't think his feet would freeze in a cryotherapy machine, even though every other human's does. What a shock that you would pick a story that you had a hand in advancing and breaking as one of your stories. I'm stunned. I'm stunned that you would do that. <laughs> I, well, yes, I, I, I didn't mean to do that. It just is amazing nonetheless. And I gave, I gave uh, credit to, to uh, Pete Dimalitis, but it was really Matt Casey, I think, who sent that text. So sorry, Matt Casey. Hey, let, let, let me tell you, if we're going to go that route with stories we had a hand in breaking, I'll go with the Vikings dumping Randy Moss in 2005. I didn't believe it when I first heard it may happen. People called me crazy and worse when I started writing about it at PFT. That was the only platform we had at the time. That was pre-radio, pre-podcast, pre-everything. And then ultimately, the Vikings dump Randy Moss onto the Raiders for a first-round pick, Napoleon Kaufman, and a seventh-round pick. I mean, one of the great receivers of all time. What are you doing? And he had a great season. 
That was the offseason after the two touchdowns against the Green Bay Packers where he pretended to moon the crowd and rubbed his rear end against the goalpost. What a disgusting act, as Joe Buck said. They traded him after that season. It's not like his skills were slipping. It was amazing, and they didn't get nearly enough for him. So that one stunned me when it happened, Chris. Yeah, that was a, that was a stunner. There's no doubt. All right, so what, give me some other ones on your list. I mean, I remember being shocked by Joe Montana you know, just the trade to the Chiefs, even though we kind of knew it was going to happen, that he was going to get traded and not be in the 49ers. It's still Joe Montana. And when you hear that news, I remember being shocked as a little kid. I remember also Herschel Walker, because I thought Herschel Walker at the time was like the greatest thing since sliced bread. That's what everybody was telling me. And what? You know, they traded, the Cowboys traded him for an, for an army of Vikings players? Holy cow. And draft picks and everything else. That to me was uh, also uh, on my uh, out, outside of my list here, uh, but but still very shocking. Herschel was on mine as well, and I meant to mention Herschel earlier when we were talking about workout options. You could always do the fifteen hundred push-ups per day for the off-season program and thousands of sit-ups per day. That was Herschel's routine. He never lifted weights as a kid. Right when he would watch TV. When the commercials came on, he would do push-ups for the entire commercial break, and he got to the point where he's doing 1,500 per day. And so, you know, you don't need all that fancy equipment. If you just have the will to put your hands flat on the ground and start bending your elbows, you can do more and more and more and more push-ups, and before you know it, you're built like Herschel Walker. But that was a stunner right. when they You're not going to gonna necessarily be built like Herschel Walker if you do that. Let's, let's make if sure we tell people. If you would do 1,500 a day? No, you don't, day? I don't care. Most people still aren't going to be built like Herschel Walker. I don't care. You're saying they're going to be. He looks like like a, like a, you know a, a Greek god without his shirt off. You know, might help he's, people get in shape and get stronger. You're not going to look like Herschel Walker. He's the product of doing 1,500 a day, day after day after day, month after month after month, year after year after year. So you need a time Mike, machine to take you back to when you were 10. What? If you did 1,500 a day and you started when you were 10, you would never look like Herschel Walker at any point of your life. I'd I'm look sorry. better than Herschel Walker. You look, <laughs> you look better than you look now, but not better than Herschel right. Walker. <laughs> a couple others before we take a break here. Remember when Donovan McNabb was dumped onto Washington Easter Sunday, 2010? That was one of those, oh, somebody's messing with us. Because it was close to, you know, it's Easter, so it's close to April 1. I'm thinking somebody's got a delayed or an early April Fool's gag. There's no way in hell Andy Reid is trading Donovan McNabb to Washington. But I, that's another one that sticks out. They, I, I, just, I judge these based upon those little moments burned into my brain where I exactly remember where I was when the news came right. down. Yeah, OBJ to the Browns last year. I mean, when I first heard that, I was like, what? Is that real? The Browns? Really? You know, that that was a shocker. That jumped out to me. And even Bill Belichick quitting the Jets. That was another one. Uh, you know, again, well, wait, yeah, yeah, the Jets are going to hire Bill Belichick. And then the very next day, he's quitting. I mean, that was kind of a shocker, too. Like, no, are you messing with me? Is he really quitting? Like, so, uh, yeah, that was a good one. I like this draft. This was a fun one. Well, we'll have to remember to do it every April 1, assuming we're on next April 1 as well, because we'll forget all these, you'll forget all these, and we can do it all over again. All right, uh, a quick break. When we return, we'll talk a little bit more about tonight's football week in America, which has a double dose of Peyton Manning from his time with the Denver Broncos. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this.
has been supplanted by Manning Media. And going no huddle against second and inches. And that is caught by Thomas. Thomas gets blocking. Touchdown, Denver. 400 career touchdowns for Manning. And this one, a beauty. It definitely feels good. It's special. I, I, I definitely will say it's special. Peyton Manning's debut with the Denver Broncos, the first half of tonight's football week in America, doubleheader only on NBCSN. 7 Eastern Steelers versus Broncos from 2012, 9.30 Eastern Broncos, Colts from 2013. Peyton returned to Indy where he would lose to Andrew Luck, Jim Irsay, and company. Chris, Peyton Manning was with the Denver Broncos from 2012 through 2015. What is his legacy as a member of the Broncos? Well, I, I think he's, you know, a, a Bronco all-time great. You know, I almost look at it like John Elway. I mean, John Lynch a little bit to go like, here's a guy that was great, you know, at another franchise and came to another franchise late in his career and continued his greatness there as well. So, yeah, Peyton Manning, I, you know, again, correct me if I'm wrong. I, even though it was a short stint, he's the second greatest quarterback in Broncos history behind John Elway. When you go to two Super Bowls, and the amount of stats he put up in that time period. I mean, you know, in those four years, Mike, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but over 100 yard, hundred touchdown passes, uh, I mean, somewhere in the 17,000 yards passing. I mean, that's a, those are careers for some quarterbacks. So just phenomenal. I mean, and then to go to two different Super Bowls with two head coaches, you know, Peyton Manning, I just, uh, that's why he's one of the five greatest quarterbacks of all time for my money. You know, we've made the point before that Tom Brady could have two busts in the Hall of Fame, one pre-2008, one post-2008. What Peyton Manning did four years in Denver, it wouldn't be enough for its own Hall of Fame bust because it's only four years. But my goodness, a Super Bowl win, a Super Bowl appearance, single season passing yards and passing touchdown records in 2013. It was a special, special four-year run for him. And the irony is he got that walk-off Super Bowl with an arm that had deteriorated to almost pop gun status, but he still was able to get it done. Now, look, I think Brock Osweiler could have quarterbacked the Broncos to a win in Super Bowl 50, but Osweiler couldn't have gotten him there. It was the Steelers, not that regular season game, but the playoff game in 2015. I think Peyton Manning saved their butts on many occasions, getting the offense into the right plays, making the right throws and the right decisions at the right time to overcome the Steelers and lay the foundation for the Super Bowl victory. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you there. You're right. You know, and yeah, Peyton Manning in the last year of his career, he he wasn't that good. I mean, he really wasn't. It's okay though. I also look at it as like karma or justice. He carried a lot of teams through his career that weren't nearly as good as their record looked, and they were a one or a two seed in the playoffs because Peyton Manning was, you know, the clutchest, most machine-like quarterback we had ever seen. I mean, Peyton Manning. Hey, I just, he's, he's phenomenal. I, I, I'll always say it, whether it was at Tennessee in college or his NFL career, I loved watching him. He answered all the questions. The pressure never bothered him. Mike, from day one, you know, he was asked to be the guy in Indianapolis. It was never like, hey, we'll play some defense and run the ball and let you get used to the NFL. From day one, it was like, oh, all right, we're going to throw it every play. Hey, Peyton, you got to get us to the right play. you got to throw for 400 yards, and we need 40 touchdowns at the end of every year, and we can be competitive. And he delivered. And to me, there was tremendous pressure on him that way, where we see a lot of other great franchise quarterbacks kind of get slowly indoctrinated in the NFL. Peyton hit the ground running and was phenomenal almost from year two on. 
He set the single season interception record for rookies in 1998, but by 1999, they were legit. That's when the window opened, and it was open for him every year of his career except for 2011, the year that he didn't play at all because of the quadruple neck surgeries. All right, let's take a quick break. The Seahawks supposedly interested in bringing back Jadavian Clowney. Do they have a fallback option if the Clowney deal doesn't work out? We'll discuss that as we wrap up this Wednesday edition of PFT Live right after this. The Seattle Seahawks would very much like to bring back Jadavian Clowney, free agent whose free agency is constrained by the inability to get a physical conducted. And obviously any team interested in him is going to want to see how that sports hernia surgery is recovering. Everson Griffin reportedly interested in the Seahawks and Chris, a potential fallback for the Seahawks at pass rusher if they can't get Clowney. What do you think of the possibility of Everson Griffin in the Seahawks uniform? Well, it makes sense. I mean, it's a good value signing. I mean, you're not going to have to spend huge money to sign Everson Griffin at this point of his career. And, you know, the, 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 the system he played in with Mike Zimmer and the Minnesota Vikings, very similar in a lot of ways to what he would do in Seattle in that Seattle scheme, where it says they want you to get wide outside the tackle and get after the quarterback. And there's, that's all there is to it. So I, I still think Everson Griffin has a few good years left in him, and I can understand that. You know, and they, yeah, I don't know what Jadevian Clowney in that situation happens, and I don't think that's going to be resolved for a while. We hope you enjoyed this new format without the radio clock. We did a lot more talking, Chris, a lot less time in the breaks, but a lot more content. So that's the way it's going to continue for the foreseeable future, if not longer. Enjoy your day. We'll see you back here on Thursday. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.